0: are you ready for the greatest show in fantasy football history hosted by the incomparable scott connor and the one and only ray gq i present to you destination chill where football and fantasy collide g e g p good evening good people welcome in this is another Episode, another stream, another installment of Destination Chill. I'm the host of this bad boy, Ray G. You can find me on X at Ray GQ, and I am joined, as always, my by my esteemed co-host and colleague, one of the, if not the sharpest dynasty manager I've ever played against, not named myself, Mister Scott Connor. You can find him at Charles Chill FFB. Player takes, player takes, player takes, player. Takes that's what we're doing tonight. We're talking all things NFL players. We might throw some college stuff out there, but this is what people want to talk about. Everybody wants to talk about this player, that player. What do you think about this guy moving forward long term in dynasty, rest of season? So, we're going to give you exactly what you want tonight. I'm excited for this episode because a lot of what we do at DDE is process oriented, and everything that you do, my friend Scott, a lot of what you do is about processing. You are very outspoken. You are very loud about picking players ain't your game. That's not what you're trying to do. You're not trying to be the best player picker. So this is a little bit outside of your wheelhouse tonight. Scott, how you doing tonight and how you feel about this show we got on tap for people?
1: I'm feeling good. I agreed to do this show with Ray talking <laughs> about players, but no, it's nice to change it up. You sent me a message the other day, uh, audio message because that's literally how we talk. We don't have time to actually talk. We just send back audio message all day back and forth. But you sent me a message about the grind of the season. and I listened to it and I was just sitting there thinking, you know what? the season is a grind. Now don't get me wrong. I love the season because this is the time where people are shaking and moving. you know like this is the time for seeing results of the process that you spent nine months building. But it can wear on you a little bit, always trying to think about the next process to outthink your opponents. Like it can wear on you a little bit. So it's nice to take a break, do a show like this where we're just giving player takes, we're giving opinions. Uh, and it's interesting because we talked about it last show, but I wanted to start the show with a little trivia for you, Ray. Okay. And everyone's seen the trivia, especially if you're on TikTok, you're constantly seeing the Dynasty Daddy gridiron games and all the trivia games that are out there. Hey, Name all the logos, name all the players, all that stuff. So right now, we're going to make it a little more dynasty-specific, right? But I'm going to say, name the six bell cows currently in the NFL. We don't like that word, bell cow. We talk about it all the time. It doesn't exist anymore. But I've come up with some criteria. So here's the criteria, and you're going to have to name six. And if you can't get them, we'll see if the chat can help you out. So these six running backs this year, here's the qualifiers they have to play at least 70% of their team's running back snaps. They have to handle at least 50% of their team's rushing attempts. So even if they're those plotter rushing attempts, they still got to be the one that's getting at least half of them. Mm -hmm. They have to run at least a route on 50% or more of their snaps. So whenever they're not rushing the ball, they have to have a high route run rate. And they have to have at least a 10% target share. So basically all of those together, it's kind of its own little running back Trinity of you got to be able to do everything. You got to be able to run the ball. You got to be able to catch the ball and you have to be out on the field. So it's not just percentages. You got to be out there playing 70% of the snaps. So six running backs, how many you think you can name?
0: Kenneth Walker.
1: Kenneth Walker just misses the cut with the, uh, the route rate. Okay. So he is not one of them. Ken just misses it. Rashad White. Rashad White is one of them. Yes, that's one. Okay.
0: I'm thinking kind of obscure here. Jerome Ford.
1: Jerome Ford does not make the cut. Nope. Okay.
0: Jerome Ford does not make the cut. Christian McCaffrey. I, I wanted to save the easy ones. Christian McCaffrey?
1: Yep. Yeah, McCaffrey okay.
0: 100%. So I've got McCaffrey and Rashad White. That's two. Um, Brees Hall.
1: Brees Hall just misses the cut. Nope.
0: Uh, Saquon
1: Saquon Nope
0: Josh Jacobs
1: Josh Jacobs Trusty okay. Belkow Always has Josh been, Jacobs so, yes. so that's three of, You Jacobs. said
0: there's three There's three more right There
1: are three more yes. I've got so, I think you'll get at least one And there's maybe one other That I don't know if you'll get
0: Okay Let me Is 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 Gus Edwards one of them No I, I didn't not He didn't, that, he didn't qualify that, the Not rats. that
1: obscure it's not, not, that, not obscure. that obscure.
0: Um, nope,
1: you know all three. It's just Z- will you actually pick them?
0: Zach Moss,
1: not Zach Moss.
0: Should I know? Should I know? There, one? There's like,
1: there's an uh, there's an obvious one. I don't want to say a league winner, but is absolutely smashed, and there's been no competition. Oh, for Oh, Travis, Travis Etienne,
0: Tra- Travis Etienne, Travis uh, Etienne, Travis Etienne. He
1: leads the world in pretty much everything but target rate. He's up there at the top, over sixty percent, and everything. And so there's he leads the league in snap share, eighty-one percent.
0: So there's two more left, and you thought I would get one, and the other two maybe a little. Just give me the AFC or NFC, and then I'll make a guess, and then I'll be done.
1: Uh, we'll we'll ex- expedite. Who are our favorite teams?
0: Dallas Cowboys, Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Mixon, and uh, Tony Pollard. There you go. All
1: right. Are you surprised to see Tony Pollard up there? Even though he's not produced with it, he's up there.
0: No, I'm not surprised to see TP up there because he's the running back that's getting all the work in Dallas. It's just not materializing or, or mattering very much for us. In fantasy, but every time you turn on the game, I mean, he's the guy that's out there. Rico Dattles getting the scraps for the most part. So not surprised about Tony Pollard and not surprised about Joe Mixon. I just wasn't even thinking Mixon, but that should have been an obvious one as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mixon, Jacobs, McCaffrey, how many years in a row are they going to do it? As long as they're here, that's their role. And then ETN's probably going down that road. Rashad White surprised me a little bit. That was not one, if you would have said, going into the year, we probably would have said even though there were other people that said there's nobody else worth a damn in that backfield which has come true so there's your six interesting to see how that changes i think there'll be a couple guys that probably jump into that range you mentioned like jerome ford Brees hall the problem with those guys is early on their percentages were down a little bit so their totals for the year probably aren't up there but i bet if you cut that off at a certain point they might be in there as well so good way to start it good job you got four of the six and uh interesting if we're starting to use that as kind of a criteria, because I think there's probably some uh, some meat on the bone there if we want to start tracking running backs similar to the Trinity.
0: Well, that's a that's a great segue into what we want to do with this show. We are at the halfway point of the NFL season, essentially, of the NFL regular season, or a little past the halfway point of that. We've already passed the halfway point for fantasy. So at this point, Sat, every team, for the most part, should know where they're at, whether they are a playoff contender or they're pushing in towards 2024. And when that happens, and you could start to feel content shift a little bit, you start to hear podcasts talking more about the 24 class and talking about the 24 NFL season, that's when we start to get to, do you want this player or that player? How do you feel about Adam Thielen next season versus the rest of the season? And this is where you start to see some teams take calculated risks and t- calculated bets on the old aging Mike Evans that you know, you know uh, he's probably going to have limited limited market window after the season, or the running back like a Derrick Henry, like a, you know these guys, Joe Mixons, th- these type of players, you're starting to figure out, like, if I buy, I better win the damn league because you know that there's probably little to no market value going into next season, but I don't want to start off Talking about running backs just yet. We'll get to the RBs here shortly, and we're going to try to keep this as as concise as possible. So holler at us in the chat, man. Send chats, super chats, get the priority if you've got questions about players. But most of us, Scott, outside of underdog fantasy, outside of some maybe some industry leagues, we're playing in two quarterback or super flex leagues. That's just what it is. That's that's what we play in. So I want to start off talking about the quarterback position and. It is one where you would think it's the easiest position to sort of, you want the starters, as long as they're a starting quarterback, they're under contract, you're good at that position. Yet You look around the NFL and you're like, I don't really feel great about half of these damn quarterbacks that are starting right now. So I want to talk about one of the more polarizing names at the quarterback position for a variety of reasons, some which we will not get into tonight. But I want to talk about Deshaun... Watson. And I've heard through the grapevine that you've taken a vow of silence talking about Deshaun Watson. But damn it, it's Destination Chill. We're going to talk about it. We, we got family in the building. We're going to talk about Deshaun Watson. And I don't want to get into all the others. I just want to focus on his value, how you think people should be approaching him in Dynasty and in Superflex formats, taking into consideration all the stuff that we know. His contract where he's valued right now, keep trade cut, what is he, QB 18, something? I'm not even looking, but he's outside of the top 15 quarterbacks probably on keep trade cut. And a lot of people in Dynasty were or and are betting on Deshaun Watson to be their QB1, to be the guy that he was in Houston, or at least show some flashes of what he was in the past. Your opinion on Deshaun Watson is what? And I'll just start by saying this. You have said that he's locked and loaded. He's going to be the starting quarterback next three years. He's under contract. He's not going anywhere. I don't know. I hear you, but I'm watching him play. And I, I'm he beat up on Arizona. Good job, Deshaun Watson. He went out there, one of the touchdowns, we all saw it. Don't even freaking, it was a fluke ass, lucky touchdown that got tipped up in the air and somehow went forward right into the receiver's hands. But you 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 kind of look at him and it doesn't feel like I'm getting a quarter of a billion dollars worth of quarterback play out of Watson. I'd say 90% is absolutely, he's probably going to be around. But what if the Browns continue to lose? And what if he plays bad down the stretch and then he carries over in the next season? How are you personally approaching him in our Discord destination? Devi got people talking about buying him all the time. Where are you at personally with Deshaun Watson right now?
1: Well, you can go back a couple weeks if we want some of the theory on where he fits in range perspective-wise because we did that QB show. Deshaun Watson specifically, so here's just a couple facts about him. He has played 10 games if you remove the game where he left after five plays or whatever. Now, I know that counts on paper, but of those 10 games, he's finished as a top 12 QB five times out of 10. Now, it hasn't been pretty. This past week, he was a QB one, right? You watched it, you were like, all right. And I think that's part of where, and this isn't shade to you, I think this is contributed from the media, the NFL community, that is not necessarily just looking at dynasty numbers. Keep in mind, I am somebody that just looks at data. But there are people, and I, I admit it, there are people that watch the film and go, he doesn't look the same. He doesn't look great. I don't watch him and get the same feeling I get watching, even like Dak Prescott when he's hot. You know, like there's a difference. Now, do we care about that for fantasy in the short term for a year or two? Maybe, maybe not. I'll just say this. I think we know he survives at least a coaching change in Cleveland. He outlasts whatever they have right now. Okay, now, the second thing is you have to separate the fact that whether he should have got the contract he did, that doesn't matter. People, I think, see that and they go, He got the richest contract with the most guaranteed money. He's not the best quarterback, strike one. I paid a top nine QB price for him. I'm getting QB 15, that's strike two. And then the off the field stuff, that's strike three. So I think there's this weird, just conundrum of things that come together and people go, he's a bust. But if you really look at it and you go, okay, has he lived up to those expectations? No. Are you getting a profit on your asset? No. But I think that means we've kind of punished him to a point where, I mean, what have I given you shit about? You can't throw him in the same group with Derek Carr and Geno Smith and those types. Those guys are year to year. Yeah. Because they've already been passed around the league. They're already on their second or third team. Their contracts are such where if it gets real bad for Geno Smith or Derek Carr, there isn't a next year where. We're going to leave him alone and give him another standalone year. Deshaun hasn't hit that point yet, which makes me push him a little higher, damn near the top of that gross second tier of QBs that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Is he QB 10, QB 9? No, you don't have to put him there. But I'm not putting him at QB 19 on keep trade cut. I'm not putting him behind Will Levis. I'm not putting him behind Sam Howe, Jordan Love. Like There's as much risk or more risk with those guys and all of those guys also have the what, does, What the same that Deshaun has. People don't really like those guys either, right? Mm-hmm. Will Levis doesn't have a season to fail and go, well, he's still got a contract. So I think he just is where he is. He's QB 15-ish if I had to rank him. But he has a little leeway. Now, does he need to play better? Do the Browns need to win? Yes. But I think it's also fair to say that you could see the Browns win this year and maybe he goes where Dak Prescott's gone the last couple of years. You're a Cowboys fan. Dak gets blamed for them not winning because in the the quarter where he needs to win, it's like, oh man, he didn't become Superman and win the game for him. But does that mean he's got not having a job? I think they're very similar players. Pick your poison, but I just think he's a little undervalued, which is why I'm always going to break ties in favor of Watson for all those factors.
0: And let me let me just say this: uh, I don't care. Uh, look, Cleveland sunk the money. I just troll them that they gave him that contract, but it factors little into my process about how to devalue Deshaun Watson. I'm seeing a couple of people in the chat, fire emoji, Deshaun Watson. Huh. QBR, Deshaun Watson on the season, 41.7, lower than Jordan Love, Derek Carr, Geno Smith, Baker Mayfield. Deshaun Watson, EPA per dropback, okay? Just EPA per dropback on the season. Here are the quarterbacks ahead of uh, De- uh, Deshaun Watson, Justin Fields, Jimmy Garoppolo, Tyrod Taylor, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, Geno Smith, Gardner Minshew, Russell Wilson, A. Rich, who's barely played, Jordan Love. Like he's not played good football. Like he hasn't. He has not been good. He hasn't been good. He might score fantasy points. Goddamn, Tyson Bagent was top ten. And he had four turnovers, three picks, and a fumble. So spare me that he keeps finishing inside the top ten. The quarterbacks this season have been awful, by and large. Patrick Mahomes had a week where he was behind Danny DeVito, so, or whatever his name is, Danny DeVito, Sean DeVito, whatever his name is, he was behind him. So I feel like what's happening is a lot of fantasy gamers are telling themselves this hopeful story that Deshaun Watson, because he's got this security, that he's going to turn something around for your roster or end up—we're talking about a QB2 here. We're we're literally talking about a quarterback 2 who's got little to no market value who after this stint in Cleveland if it doesn't work out do you think they're going to give him another 50 million dollar a year contract if he doesn't win what are we why on earth would I want to buy that why do I want to spend a first round pick on an asset where we look at the pathway for him either I'm not even going to say producing better. Maybe he just gets better and he plays better and all that other stuff works out. But knowing that once this is up, if he doesn't win, they're not re-signing him to some deal. They're not going to do it. I, I will bet a large amount of money that after this is up, he's done in Cleveland. Then what? Like it, it's It feels like the window for what the name Deshaun Watson brings, that's dead and gone, man, is a QB2. And everybody's just hanging on for the simple fact that we think that he's going to be the locked and loaded starter for three seasons. But what I'm looking at as far as what he's putting on wax on the NFL field, if he keeps playing like shit, I don't care how much money he has by year three, maybe the replacement's in the building. And they're like, we're tired of him. We're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to re-sign him. Let me see what else we have with other quarterbacks. So it has nothing to do with the money that he's owed. I'm truly just looking at his play and you've got to look beyond the, the fantasy production because that only comes if you get NFL opportunity. So uh, listen, I'm not, I am not, what he did is what he did. Ain't nobody perfect in the world, man. And if I had people judging me and for some of the things that I've done younger, y'all probably wouldn't listen to the show, man. So I'm not getting into any of that kind of stuff. I'm talking about his play on the field has been subpar from NFL standards, despite the fact that, that he's producing for you in fantasy. Mitch Trubisky produced for us in fantasy and what happened to his ass once he couldn't win and all this other stuff, he was gone. So I don't know, man. This is somebody that if you have him and you've got some pro Watson sentiments, I'm fine with that. I'm not going to knock that, but I would not be advising people to go tear down and give first round picks to go get Deshaun Watson. I'm good, man. For me personally, I'm good on that and has nothing to do with his past transgressions, or his contract it's simply his play
1: well I mean and you just defined it in 30 seconds right there is you're not tearing off of an elite QB for Deshaun Watson plus but that's not saying anything shocking all basically this conversation has been is is he QB 15 or is he QB 20 it's all in the range where you're not expecting anything much more than that so pick your preference you don't like Watson, I see in the chat, Carr over Watson, Levis over Watson. Who, that, that's fine. Pick, you pick who you want. I just laid out the case to why I would probably go in his direction over those guys, but like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, there's 9 or 10 QBs where I'm confident they're going to stay in that tier. Once you get below that, pick your guy. And some people are going to be wrong, and some people are going to go, damn, I'm glad I paid QB 20 prices to get the QB 11. And then people paid the QB 11 price and they go, man, Watson's the best of this group. And then he's not. That's all the QB two tier is. It's really flattened out. So has, that's all we need to say about him. He's just, it's in a preference tier. If you don't like him, that's fine. And if you don't want him on your roster, that's fine. And you can justify it because there's probably other people in your league that just don't like the guy, Ray. Right? They don't want him. They're rooting for him to fail. They want him to not win. They don't want him. So there's no trade out, right? So maybe if that's a tiebreaker, go against him. Sure.
0: Let's talk about two other quarterbacks really quickly that people seem to not want. And I'm interested in your thoughts on both of these quarterbacks. Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy. These are two quarterbacks on good teams that have shown that they can manage an offense and sometimes play really, really well and help a team win. But these are two players that dynasty managers just don't want. And let's start with Dak Prescott because that's a, you know, talked about Watson Talked about Dak. Dak's my guy. We made a trade. Dak for Watson. We don't ever do those things, but it was just, okay, you want Dak? You got more belief in him? You take Dak, I take Watson. What are your thoughts on Dak Prescott, the hate that he gets, and what do you think his outcome and outlook is in Dynasty moving forward?
1: Well, I'll give my co-host Shane a lot of credit for this. Two years ago, he said Dak Prescott's just a fancy Kirk Cousins. And then you look back and you go, "Yeah, you know what? That's actually not that bad of a comparison." Because Dak does feel like, and Ty just put a comment in the chat, "Leader of the do- Leader of the Dead Zone." Dak feels like that first QB up in that next tier. Where as soon as I say Ray, you're going from Joe Burrow to Dak Prescott, you're going, man, that's that's a teardrop. drop." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you're you're comfortable at the top end of that tier. If you're picking amongst all of the QB twos, you'd probably take Dak over all the others. Just something about it, right? You've seen some ceiling from Dak. I was surprised to look Dallas's, uh neutral pass rate over the last month has been pretty high. Like, that's what you want to see, and he's been productive. So I think he's just at the top of that second tier to where he's going to stay there until he doesn't produce there. Now, what happens with his value? Kirk Cousins stayed in that tier from a production standpoint forever. His value never did. So maybe there's a little more bias for Dak to have a little higher value, but I think he probably just stays in the range where you're always uncomfortable tearing off something elite to him, but very comfortable if you have him on your roster. And then Purdy. Purdy feels very similar, maybe a little more risk with Purdy. It feels like with Purdy, and maybe it's both these guys, but especially with Purdy, fair or not, those two guys are going to be judged on their playoffs this year. Fair or not because one of those teams is not even making the conference championship. And it may come down to a Dallas versus San Fran and I'll tell you if that's in the divisional round, Ray, whoever loses that game, hot seat. There will there will be questions. Hot of, seat. Are they the starter next year? And we're sitting here going, man. If that if Dallas were to give up on Dak Prescott, there'd be 10 teams lining up to sign.
0: Absolutely. Him. Absolutely.
1: So, and maybe that's true or not true with Purdy, but it feels like both of those guys are on the hot seat this year to win a couple games that people don't think they should win. And if they don't, that's what impacts their dynasty value, is Brock loses in the first round, and there's a couple guys that become available next year. People are going to be going, man, are they really committed to Brock? And it, that's going to impact your market, right? Did people you see are going to I don't know.
0: Did you see Sycama's mock, his latest mock, PFF, his first one? He had the San Francisco 49ers at pick 25 or 26, so that tells me they're losing – First round of the playoffs, selecting J.J. McCarthy in the 20s. Which, if that happens, that means Brock's the starter going into 24. But any slip-up, it, it would be a repeat of almost kind of what just happened in San Francisco with Trey Lance and now they found Brock Purdy much later. But that would be a wild, wild, wild less situation. Pressure. Less Le- yeah.
1: A little less pressure to start that guy right away, though.
0: Correct. Correct. And my final quarterback, I just want to ask you about, and this is a big name. This is a big name. And this was a big price, a big cost, whether it was a startup, traditional or auction. Justin Herbert, Scott, Justin Herbert has taken a lot of NFL criticism of late. A lot of people in the NFL world, NFL media Really coming down on Justin Herbert. When is he going to win the big game? What 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 is up with him? When are we going to start questioning his contract? Now, again, much like Watson, I I do feel a lot more comfortable saying, "Yeah, that guy's going to start the next." He's starting throughout the lifetime of that contract. Hell or high water, unless he falls off the face of the earth, he's starting every game of that. But dynasty wise, man, a couple of months ago, I had him as a top five dynasty quarterback, number four. Actually, right after the big three, I'm like, Kellen Moore, this offense, Herbert's taking the next step. Where are you at with him long-term today, Justin Herbert?
1: You know, deep down, even though I am a Cincinnati fan, I always did wonder, had had the setting that Burrow had been in, just having the same coaching staff his entire career in Cincy and pretty much everything being stable and building on itself for the last three years, was Herbert better? And I was hoping this year you saw it with Kellen Moore of like, all right, the offense is going to look different. Now, maybe you can argue the weapons haven't been that good, but I also don't think you can look at Herbert's weapons over the years and say they were so bad that a good scheme or a good quarterback couldn't have at least made it work, right? You know, there's worse situations to where, damn, that quarterback's smashing. And Herbert's still been good. Don't get me yes. wrong. Like, he's yes. still a t- He's still a top six, eight quarterback every year in fantasy. Like he's going to put up numbers just because of the way that he plays. They let him throw a lot. He's definitely can make big plays at the, you know, in one play, he can throw for, you know, long touchdowns and whatnot. But has he hit his ceiling? I think, I, cause there was, there was part of me that was wondering, all right, this guy could get up to QB one, QB two, QB three. Yeah. and ma- And maybe he's kind of settled in the QB five to eight range. And that's where he's just going to settle. And that's okay. So I'm not worried about him for dynasty from like a real NFL perspective, though. I think it's fair to say, okay, there might be some guys. Like I know you, we had a conversation earlier today. Burrow is probably better than Herbert from an NFL perspective. As long as the fantasy, as long as the fantasy numbers are there, it's probably fair to say it doesn't really matter who you have. If not, you prefer one over the other, you know, like there's probably tiebreakers there, but from a fantasy perspective, He's in the top eight. It's just, is he someone that can command a tear down to somebody else? I don't think so. I think he's just settled in that range. I'm right, confident well, this, with him.
0: Well, this is not a Wake Up, but one of my favorite segments on Wake Up is Would You Rather, Scott Connor. So I'm about to put a little <laughs> fire to ass right now, and we're going to stay on Justin Herbert and just r- rapid fire, no explanation. I want gut feel for you to blurt it out, thinking, taking all of this into context, Okay. Uh, production, future value that you can trade away, longevity. Think of those three things, all right? And just gut feel, from the gut, no process, no talk. Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. Herbert. Justin Herbert, CJ Stroud.
1: Quick. Stroud.
0: Justin Herbert, Anthony Richardson. Herbert. Herbert. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow.
1: Burrow. Okay. All right. All
0: right. All right. Those are quarterbacks. I just wanted to get your quick thoughts on that. I don't even want you to explain why. None of that stuff. Um, let's go to the – got a couple of super chats in here. Let's pull those up real quick. Um, here we go. Uh, Jimbo. What's up, Jimbo? Jimbo, what's up, what's up? He sent two of them in. He said, uh, top five most rostered players on champion rosters – Uh, He wants to know what those are. And then he also has one right here. Better buy in PPR right now. Swift, White, Camara. This is a great segue to running backs. Let's just go to running backs and talk running backs. So he wants to know better PPR buy right now for the rest of the season. DeAndre Swift, Rashad White, Alvin Kamara.
1: I'd lean Swift. They have a pretty favorable schedule. But I think you're probably looking at any of the three and just saying, which one can I get? And they fill a spot. So I'd probably rank them Swift, Camara White, but you know that's they're real close, really good. Three good names actually to put there. Maybe you lean towards uh, Swift or White just because they're not twenty eight years old.
0: Well, it's seasonal, so we don't even care about anything further.
1: Oh, that's right. I didn't see the seasonal. Yeah, part, seasonal. Yeah. But, so yeah, I would, that's I, how I would rank them.
0: I would take Camara overall three. Give me, give me Alvin Kamara. I know last week got kind of nuked by Taysom Hill, but since returning from injuries, been a top five running back every week outside of last week. Just. They're going to load him up, and I said that from the beginning. When he's back, they're just going to load him up with carries, load him up with touches. So his other thing, top five most rostered players on champion rosters, uh, the, the hell if I know, Jimbo. Uh, do you know, Scott? I have no idea. You're talking about, like, right now or last year?
1: You know what? I can fire up here real quick. I can What's fire that? up the, uh, the old war machine. It'll probably tell us the, yeah, the give five us, yeah. highest right now. Yeah, yeah so
0: do, the, that uh, while, do that while I – uh, while I, while I engage with the chat as we pivot on to the running back position, th- this, is, this is going to be an interesting topic because, <laughs> Scott, right now with the running backs, you have guys producing with names that nobody really likes. One of them we just mentioned, Rashad White. Nobody really wants Rashad White, but he's producing. We've got names of players who people were very high on coming into the season and they have not delivered for us in fantasy And those running backs are kind of in no man's land. Tony Pollard is the biggest no man's land running back that I find out there right now. He came off of a spectacular season last year, gets handed the keys to the job. Everybody gets excited. RB1 overall. You just said he's one of the few, the six bell cows in the NFL Yet he's doing absolutely nothing for us. It looks like some of his juice got zapped from that injury, and Dallas probably is not going to offer him a contract next year. And he's going on twenty-seven years old. This is a very weird time with the running back position, and I think it—it's not—it doesn't do it service to to leave this piece of the context out. It's not just about the lack of what the running backs are doing now, Scott. It's also looking ahead and the lack of elite running back prospects that are potentially going to be entering to the NFL, which leads me to believe one of two things. One, some of the running backs that we kind of give crap to right now, Jerome Ford, Rashad White, Kenneth Walker, whomever it is, those guys may have just by default opportunity next season and beyond, potentially, just because right now there are no Gibbs, there are no Bijan Robinsons right now. And then you've got the guys that you spent the high capital on. Bijan Robinson not producing the way that we wanted. Jameer Gibbs, as good as he's been, Monty's back. You're a little bit nervous. You are not expecting what he's done. So it's a very interesting time with running backs. But what did the war machine pull up? What do we got?
1: So if we're looking at just overall war, so there's only been four players that have been above 2.5 war, and there's only six players above two. So we're talking total war for the year. So he asked for five. Tyreek Hill, I think we could have guessed that. Damn near almost three war for the season. I mean, literally the dude is averaging uh, over a third of a win every time he's in your lineup. Think about that. I mean, think think about that number. You just have him. I mean, that's almost like saying I'm, I, I have a 50% chance of winning my league just because I have him. Then A.J. Brown, Christian McCaffrey, Stefan Diggs, and then there's real close between Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. So if you remove Superflex... It's interesting, right? If you remove Superflex, you got Tyreek, Brown, McCaffrey, Diggs, and Travis Etienne are five of the top seven players. So even in Superflex, now we're talking like standard here. If we get into weird scoring, then the quarterbacks go a little bit higher. But, yeah, I mean, generally this has been the year of if you hit those spike weeks at receiver or if you have the running back that stays healthy and is the bell cow, a.k.a. McCaffrey and Etienne, Like that has been more of a difference above what random people are throwing into their lineup relative to their position than the quarterbacks. So then to your point about the running backs with Pollard, like Pollard's been disappointing, but I was just messing with the uh the war per game filter. And if let's assume that a running back, let let's assume every running back's gonna miss one game, right? Just conservatively. Yeah. Yes. So just to hit one war on the season, our running backs probably got to get to like 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8 or 0. 0.08 per game, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that's just to get to one. And I just gave you the leaders already. And I mentioned those guys were over two and a half, right? So just to get to one, you got to be about 0.08 per game. Let's just say like 1.5. That's even getting too close to being a difference maker. That means a guy's got to be above like, I don't know, to get to 1.5, you're talking about, about 0.1 war per game. How many running backs are even sniffing 0.1? war per game right just take a gander
0: 15
1: 15 you're at 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 right now are above 0. 0.1 and some of those are per game so yeah. i'm showing you De- devon a chain kyron williams Oof. david montgomery like those per game <laughs> those guys are there yeah, but you're, they've missed you're already four, pissed because yeah. they missed half the season right yeah so you go down and you go a little bit lower to names like Pollard, Mixon, Pacheco. You would say those guys aren't difference makers. Ramondre. No. But per, per game, Tony Pollard and Joe Mixon are not that different than Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler. They're not. So has Pollard been disappointing for what you paid? Yeah, but I think we've seen this. You don't have McCaffrey or ETN? you just needed somebody that can eat innings in those spots. And that's what Pollard is. So, I mean, I'm not saying he's been worth the investment, but it's just kind of a, it's it's sobering to realize that as long as you had healthy guys in that range, you could have got by. That's not losing you your league unless somebody has McCaffrey and ETN or McCaffrey and one of those elite receivers. You're able to keep up even with guys like Pollard.
0: Does what we're seeing or what you are personally witnessing happen this season... With running backs in fantasy, make you even more confident in your personal strategy, any running back on a 53. I just, I'm going to if I get an elite guy, a Christian McCaffrey, and I'm not even going to say ETN because people weren't putting him in that in that in that atmosphere at the beginning of the season, but whatever the elite running back is, and maybe there's only a couple of them, or maybe you're like, I don't if it's it's McCaffrey or bust for me, but does this make you lean into it even more to where? You don't want to invest any type of significant capital, first round, second round, third round capital, into the running back position moving forward.
1: It does, but that's also maybe a little bit of a lazy take only because I'm not confident enough in analyzing running backs to tell you what is the difference between Tony Pollard and Travis Etienne. It's not the workload. I gave you that at the beginning of the show, right? They, they both should be able to produce WAR numbers that are similar, but one is, and one isn't now coming into the year. Do we really have the tools to say it's going to be ETN and it's not going no. to be policy? Hell no. We really did not Right. So until I can say, I can what pick it- the difference between them, then no, it's, not, I'm going to lean and be conservative and say, I'm not going to invest a high price because in, in a rookie draft, if I can say, you're going to give me a guy that gets touches, I bet you I can hit on a Tony Pollard this year, that type of production. What I can't forecast is, all right, I hit on Travis Etienne. I hit on Devon A-Chain. Like, where did that efficiency come from? And until you show me a path where we're good at picking that, like the Trinity tool is for wide receivers, I'm going to lean towards I'm not really investing heavily in running backs and I'm just going to keep eating innings and, and trying to hit on guys that just fill spots for me week to week
0: um jacob asked is war related to fantasy football or real life both the the, to answer that question both you can go to pff they have um actual nfl war per season so it's it you could use it for real football or fantasy football and um this this is this is the this is the foundation of the show and uh jacob says you need noah on the pod to go over running backs. Noah Hills, he's been on Wake Up Before, uh, We chat all the time. His specialty is sort of evaluating running back prospects. Here's, here's why I think it's so difficult to do this, Scott. Th- they're a byproduct of their scheme. What about profile would have led you to believe that he's only going to get 10 damn touches a game? Come on, man. Like, it, it, it almost, it feels like a an exercise that's not even worth the squeeze, man. Like, if, trying to figure out what coach and how they're going to deploy this running back versus that running back, it it, it, see, it just feels like a waste of damn time. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care, man. You know what I'm saying? And this isn't the same, Ray, as it was. Last, last year, year before, I'm spending all damn day trying to grind the tape. Look at those sweet feet in the hole, and he can do this and all that. They get to the league and they just get buried. They get buried or they get to the league and they get a little opportunity and you got damn Keaton Mitchell going off and at top three running back on the week. Who saw that? It, it just, it doesn't feel like something that is particularly sticky unless the elite running back has already been identified. It's easy to go in the season and say Christian McCaffrey, sure. And even when he gets hurt, you know that the moment McCaffrey was back, he was going to turn right back into Christian McCaffrey. I just, I, I don't know how valuable that is of of time to spend trying to chase this position that the nfl keeps telling us yo it keeps saying year after year we don't care about you and we will use three or four of you in a given week and we don't give a damn about how fast or big or small or any of that like i I don't think it's worth the time to even to spend on on identifying it if you hit the right one if you have travis Etienne, congratulations you feel great but going into the season, what was the narrative around ETN? Especially when they drafted that tank Bigsby. Oh man, it was only a matter of time. It's only a, he's the passing down back. Kraft ET, can We don't know. It, it's too volatile. It's too difficult to predict. I, I don't I don't know, Scott. I don't even know if it's worth it, man.
1: No, I'm just sitting here shaking my head at yes, because what you're saying is and it, there's no shade against Noah or anybody no, else out there. No, no says, Noah's my dog, man. I, I, no, it's no shade against anybody that says, I like scouting running backs, I like watching their film. I put out a tweet a couple weeks ago that you're almost, and I, and I hate to say it this way, but you're almost wasting your time. And I'm curious to ask you because last offseason, you spent an hour damn near every week watching a running backs film, going over and over what they do well, what they don't do well, what type of scheme they'll fit in. But I kind of wonder, do you think, Other than creating content out of that, Ray, is that worth the squeeze from you to say, I'm going to do that to then translate it to, because really what I look at what you're doing, what Noah's trying to do, you're trying to pick out the guys that can just get into the door in the NFL, right? If the opportunity comes, I'll be interested in that guy. If Ronnie Rivers gets opportunity, Ray doesn't even want him, right? And that's your assessment of, I can't predict whether he's going to get an opportunity. In fact, if you tried to predict opportunity, Ray, you would have probably said, Ronnie Rivers will never get any opportunity. Correct. Because who would be dumb enough to give him a role, right? Ever. Until he gets a role and he's a starter. And then there's guys where you're like, that guy's good. Doesn't even get active on game days. Isaiah Spiller, never seen the field hardly. So I just don't think, like you said that people that watch running backs, scout running backs, they may be able to say here's who I think is good, here's who's not. What matters for fantasy is once they get here, who's getting the opportunity and half the time we're we're completely clueless on what that what's going to happen. It's the opport-
0: it's here's the thing. You very you scouting of the talent of the position may be superior. Like you could be that dude at scouting mm-hmm. the position and it still means jack shit when it comes to that player landing on the Atlanta Falcons and not getting the ball. Prime example, Kyron Williams in 2022. Adam graded as RB4. I watched the tape. I was like, Kyron Williams is good. He tests bad, doesn't do anything his rookie season, buried, dead, gone, RB79 coming into the season, gets opportunity, and what happens? Skyrocket. I mean, the assessment of the player, like he's all right. Like, he's not a bad player. He's not a game changer, an elite difference maker, but he can play in the NFL. But what what good did that do? The answer to your question: No, I'm not doing that anymore. Like it's just, I think there are other ways to supplement that time. But I still do want to have a level of is that guy good or not? You know, that's why I didn't draft any Zach Evans because I knew he wasn't a very good player. Like he just wasn't. I don't believe that he's very talented running back. So I'm not going to waste any 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 capital. On that player, but it's opportunity, and we don't know enough to figure that out. And even when we think we know, we still don't know. We don't know anything. We just don't know. So, uh, it, it's just too hard to predict. I I am much more in line with you in the any running back on a fifty three. I do like to take some shots. I would love to have me some Etn or a Brees Hall. I would like to have an anchor kind of guy. But if not, you can piecemeal that thing together with a bunch of Connors and Mixins and Derek Henrys and. Javante Williams and Rashad White's like you can piece that together at that position
1: yep take away uh leverage other people that are putting in that work and you don't even you're not even stealing their work you're just saying hey Noah puts in the work on running backs why does Rain need to try to go do the same thing you you take what you trust and then you apply it to what you already know so leverage the fact that there's more content out there than ever and use it
0: Absolutely. Um, here goes one from Post Carl Malone, $2 Super Chat. Thank you, Post Carl Malone. 12 teams, super flex half PPR, offered Derrick Henry for Dobbs and Chuba Hubbard. Ooh.
1: We got a question earlier. We didn't touch on Josh Dobbs, but, man, I'm super impressed. I said it a couple weeks ago in voice chat that that guy's probably earned himself a backup gig for the next 10 years if he Absolutely. wants it. Absolutely. It's not crazy to say he gets a, a, a half winded starting shot going forward after this year. You never know. So that's one of those deals, man. We're just talking about running backs. If you need a QB, I'm not opposed to moving the, the Dobbs and, uh, or the Henry for Dobbs and Chuba. And I can see it going the other way, too. If you don't need D- Josh Dobbs, then just go for the better running back.
0: Is he the new Gardner Minshew? sort of where he's a backup but like a backup plus like that's the backup quarterback in lineup leagues you want to make sure you you grab at the end of your drafts i mean he he does feel like he's going to be a star a a quarterback in the NFL for a long time a nice backup quarterback
1: and i think the fact that you've now seen two teams prioritize rushing to get him when they're in a pinch that's going to keep him an injury away from giving you top 20 QB starts for as long as he wants to play football. And that's valuable. Now going into the year, you're not going to be like, Oh, Josh Dobbs is my QB too. I feel good, but he's going to be one of those guys that kind of holds like always third round value, you know, until he plays and he's just absolutely horrible. And then a team gives up on him. But as long as he's kind of doing what he's doing, like you, you got to hold him, you know? got to have, gotta have a little value in him. Yes. Let's have
0: some fun here. Would you rather Josh Dobbs edition? Scott, quick, rapid fire, all right? <laughs> Josh Dobbs, Jimmy Garoppolo.
1: Got to take the starter. Give me Josh.
0: Josh Dobbs or Ryan Tannehill? Dynasty. Not Dobbs. just seasonal dynasty. You got to Okay, okay. Dobbs.
1: Those two are... Okay. I thought of those two. They're in the mix of I'm not sure they ever get another shot. So, yes.
0: Okay, Josh Dobbs or
1: Danny Dimes. Desmond Desmond Ritter. Oh, Do- Dobbs, man! They, okay, to g- me, the guy starting on Sunday. All right, Dobbs. all right, all right.
0: Josh Dobbs or, and I was getting to him at the end, the forty-two million dollar quarterback, Jan- Daniel Jones. I, and I just trade. <laughs> did you see me trade away Daniel Jones this week? In our. No. Dynasty, it's the $500 league, the best ball league. I traded away Daniel Jones for Aiden O'Connell.
1: I mean, well, and that's just for all the listeners. That is a best ball league. There's no injured reserve. Ray is protecting a potential gold mine here, so he could not eat that Daniel Jones (laughs) for the rest
0: of the year. I am 16-0 in that league, and I want to win this one very badly. So I did move him ah. straight up for Aiden O'Connell. Like, I don't know. I needed the points. I need the points and he's out. And I don't know what is going. what his future is going to look like realistically with the Giants potentially picking, you know, picking at the top of the draft. Uh, Scott, I-, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I do want to get your thoughts. We're back to quarterback again. Mac Jones, he takes a lot of heat. And you were talking about, I don't want to hear a damn thing about Herbert's weapons, Dak's weapons. T-Log, people talk about him, oh, he needs more weapons. Go look at what Mac Jones has had to throw to the past three seasons and tell me there's been a worse offensive skill position room than the New England Patriots. What team has had worse a, a worse collection of skill position players than the New England Patriots over the last three years? Name a team.
1: I, I really can't. They've had a couple weapons and— They've also had subpar offensive coaching. I mean, it's just, it's been the perfect storm of if you had to make an excuse and say a guy got put in a situation where he was doomed to fail, Mac Jones would probably be one of one of the cover players for that example. So I, I can't really name anybody. There's maybe a couple that had a one year scenario, but this is year three, right? In year, and year one, he was good. We talked about year one. He was top twenty in efficiency. You're like, this guy can at least be a somebody that can sustain the offense, right? He's not going to ever have high fantasy upside, but could he be a guy where you're like, all right, he's reliable. I want my fantasy weapons to play with him. And the last two years have just been, you know, he has nobody to bring him along and he's coming down with the ship as well to the point where, you know, there's another scenario where he he just gets F Ford out of New England because they just point the finger at him. They have a high draft pick. They gut the team and he's got to go. He's got to go if they have a high draft pick, and that's somebody I'm still willing to buy in because I do believe in that efficiency from year one. That he get he's going to get one more shot before some of those other guys you named. So I would take him over Josh Dobbs.
0: I mean it, it's it's a pretty bad situation in New England, and you're saying he's had weapons uh, when Kendrick Bourne, who uh, 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 Jacoby Myers, he had Jacoby Myers last year. That was his best weapon. He's probably had
1: in his career was Jacoby Myers. Uh, you and you can argue that. He- he might have made Kendrick Bourne a little bit. Like, it. you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying he made him, but it's not like Kendrick mean. Bourne was carrying Mac Jones. Like, it was a, you yeah. know,
0: <laughs> it was at it, least a 50 50 partnership there. Yes. At, at worst, yes. it was a 50 50 partnership. Just, it's interesting the narratives around these players. And he is one that I think can have like a better career path than Jimmy Garoppolo. Get out of New England, go to a different team. But we'll see what the Patriots end up doing with Bill Belichick and company, but it's uh we just talk about all these guys and it just it makes me a little nervous about the QB position in Superflex and Dynasty and so many times I've seen people in leagues that we play in terrified, you know, th- there's there's elite quarterbacks on the market, Scott, because people are trying to tear down. I saw today in one of our Heisman leagues, Jalen Hurts was being offered to folks. I'll give you Jalen Hurts for Kyler Murray, a first and a second. Oh, that's too much. I can't pay that for Jalen Hurts. Oh, I can't. I'm telling you, Matt, I don't I don't get it. I don't get this. This this is a whole different topic about paranoia and paralysis and trades. We're talking player today. we'll get into that another day. We got one from Richie. Richie's here for every damn stream we do. Josh Dobbs or Mac Jones.
1: Yeah, I said I would take Mac in there. Uh, that, that's one of the few that's at the bottom that I would still take over Dobbs. Yeah, yeah
0: same here. I would take him as well. Um, what else do we have from you, good old people in here, Scott? We're already at 7:52. How did we? How, how did the show go by that that fast? Um, what else do we have? Stroud. What do you want to talk about from receivers? We haven't talked about receivers. I, I kind of don't want to talk about receivers. Go look at the Trinity tool. I want I want to engage and entertain. So I want to talk about tight ends with you, Mr. Connor. Yep. Um Yep. I want to talk about this 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 position. Um just your thoughts on I don't want to even say any names. Just your thoughts on what you're seeing from young tight ends, old tight ends, middle-aged tight ends, how they're treated in di- This is the first year I haven't seen people like thirsting for tight ends and trades. I haven't seen a lot of that happening in leagues that I'm in which makes me feel more inclined to get some of these guys. But what are your what is your opinion on these guys? And we're seeing the ascension of players like a Trey McBride, Jake Ferguson locking himself into a top 10 tight end status damn near. Just what's your thoughts on the position and, and your takeaways right now this this point in the season?
1: Well, I said it quite a few times during the preseason that this was going to be a very good test case for tight ends because we had some good rookie tight ends coming in. And what do they all have in common, Ray, for the most part? Small, athletic guys that didn't profile as they're going to play the 80 85 90% of snaps, right? So the old, I don't even want to call it like old antiquated data about snap share, route data, RAS score, all those things coming together. So I think we've been right and wrong about tight ends. We've been wrong about, it used to be you never dared to draft rookie tight ends for your production to start them. Right. And I'm sitting here looking in some of our high stakes redraft leagues, and I followed that rule. I've played for seven years. I've never been somebody that chases tight end production. And I followed that rule this year, too. Why would I draft Sam Laporta at tight end eight, Dalton Kincaid at tight end seven, you know, in redraft leagues? Yet I look up and I go, man, there's not more than four tight ends I'd rather have than those two guys the rest of the season. George Kittle, don't care. Darren Waller, injured. Dallas Goddard, injured. Evan Ingram is what he is. I'd rather have those other two if I want a blow-up game. Yeah, so you were wrong for saying fade rookie tight ends, where I think you're still going to be right. And this is why this class coming up with Bowers is going to be very interesting. I already see some Bowers questions in the chat. I think you're right in saying, if you have Sam Laporta, if you have Dalton Kincaid, if you have Brock Bowers next year, I don't think because of the nature of the position, Ray, you don't have an asset with Sam Laporta or Dalton Kincaid right now that gets you to the table to make a deal for a bigger piece that's not a tight end. Like, go to somebody and say, we're just talking, we're not talking like super inflated premium with crazy scoring, just a regular tight end premium league that 90% of the people out there are playing in. You take your Dalton Kincaid and go, what do you want? Plus Dalton Kincaid for Jamar Chase, for A.J. Brown, for C.D. Lamb. And the person's probably like, man, you know, I, how does that conversation go, right? I like Kincaid, but I, I don't know if don't he really know. is going to count much in that yeah. deal. You know, like, I'll take him. He's good. Don't get me wrong. I need a tight end. He's a top five tight end. Fine. But when you bring that asset to the table, that is not the same as bringing Chris Olave to the table. Right? So I don't think tight ends are a mechanism to make bigger trades. I think once you have a guy like Caporta or Kincaid or whoever, you're now saying, I'm just going to hold on to the guy and just bet that he's going to be difference-making production versus doesn't feel the trade value is really there. And maybe that changes, but I haven't noticed in most of our leagues, anybody really wants the tight ends, they'll take them. But if I don't have Laporta, I'm not going, man, what elite assets can I give Ray to get Laporta? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, th- I think it's not a good investment vehicle. It is a good production vehicle because these guys, Bowers can be a top five tight end right off the rip, but I'm not drafting them to go, man, if he hits, I'm going to go be able to trade him for Garrett Wilson plus. This is that's not going to work. I don't think they're good investment vehicles. So that's my take on tight ends. We've been right about them, but wrong about them at the same time.
0: Well, and we were also right with war still tells you there's only a handful of them that are are truly yep. elite difference makers, but what it also allowed you to do was fade that six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, the Friar Njoku, Goddard range. And, uh, I mean, I've got the heaviest and highest exposure pre them becoming a thing with Trey McBride and Jake Ferguson. Those were two guys you can get at the back of a damn draft. I mean, an underdog at the beginning, you literally, they could be your last pick in the whole draft. 20th round, 12th pick in the 20th round, I'll take Trey McBride. I'll take Jake Ferguson. And that's how you win at the tight end position. You either have Kelsey Andrews, Kincaid, Laporta, those elite difference makers, or you fade that middle cluster. And then you are right on the ones that you draft from the flat line tier that end up propelling themselves much higher. If you went with McBride and Jake Ferguson as your two tight ends, you're probably doing very good because you spent nothing on, on those guys in the startup, which allowed you to allocate all of your resources and assets, hopefully to the positions that actually matter, like wide receiver and quarterback. So I just want to check to see if we've got any more super chats before we get out of here. We got one right here from Seb Andre. You gotta you gotta put the the question in there. I don't know if we missed that joint or what, but put the question in there so we can so we can holler at that um real quick. Wish all my Tyler Conklins were Jake Ferguson's Listen, man, it may have been if Rodgers was there, Conklin could have been one that was giving you top 15 tight end numbers and you would have been just fine with it. So, like, I, you know, I I wouldn't even be so mad about that. Like, it just sucks. Right. Aaron Rodgers got hurt on the fourth play of the game. Like, nobody saw that coming. So can't beat yourself up too much about that one at all. Um, Love to take Scott. Not a good investment. A holding dynasty. Not a good trade mechanism. Yeah. Tight end is just a weird Weird position, and then you get people who have those tight ends and they're so scared to trade them for anything. Um, if you had Andrews or a Kelsey, would a move that you would try to make is to pivot off of one of them? Would you would you be interested in selling your Andrews for Dalton Kincaid plus?
1: I mean, I think if you can go from Andrews to Kincaid or Laporta, then you would do it, but I don't think you can. I think the you person don't think you that can. has I don't think so. Especially Laporta, but I think the way Kincaid's played the last couple of weeks, I don't think the person that has either one of those. Here's the thing they don't have a they don't have a gap in their lineup. They're going. I'll just start that guy the rest of the year. Like they don't see the need to tear up for. Is it a Is that even a guaranteed tear up? Right? We think it is. We know Andrews is very well, good, but
0: uh, dude, I I almost made a trade this week where I offered um, f- four assets, and one of the running backs was very good. And Trey McBride, and I started to look a little deeper, and I'm like, if McBride is the guy, and Kyler's back, and he's going to just feed him seven, eight targets a game, like why am I, why am I trying to go get Andrews and giving up? Not going to get Kelsey product. I mean Andrews production, but enough to where I'm not hurting. Like why am I giving up three more assets just to get the name of more? I rescinded the. I mean the offer sat in his inbox. 24 hours plus, you know what I'm saying? And I just pulled it. I'm like, you know what? I'm glad they didn't press accept. I'll just roll with McBride. I'll just roll with Ferguson. I don't need the name. So um, interesting position, interesting strategies, interesting interesting thoughts. But we are at time, Scott, and we've got a whole discord of people waiting to talk to uh, one of your co-hosts from Dynasty Trades and 5.
1: Yeah, tonight's AMA following this. uh, Check it out if you're already in the Discord. If not, go to DestinationDevi.com. You can sign up. Uh, You'll also get access to the audio archives or replays of it as well. But, yes, Ray is live on the AMA stage uh, with Clay. Clay, the, uh, I guess, overshadowed host of Dynasty Trades in 5. He keeps Shane and I in line. But uh, I think that will be an interesting conversation to see what you have on tap for him. Uh, And Clay also heads the roster reviews. So if you're interested in a roster review, check that out. Uh, roster reviews uh, can be had. You see it on the screen. Thanks for putting that up there. Sign up for a roster review. There's a couple different options. You can check it out there, or you can email review at dynastytradesin5.com. So check that out. If you're not in the Discord, get over there, sign up. Again, you can go to destinationdevycom And, uh, yeah, that's where we'll be continuing this conversation. And I'm about to jump off, and I'm happy to uh, – tune in to see what Ray has on tap for clay. That should be a good one too. Clay's usually the host. So you putting him on blast and asking him dynasty questions. I'm always, I try to do that. I don't know if you've ever caught that Ray on our streams. Sometimes I try to, I pause and I go clay, what do you